Hi, everyone. It's Amy Newmark with three classic episodes for you this week about the power of gratitude and dreams and amazing coincidences. I'll be back next week with more stories from our new books. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with an exciting new topic for today's podcast. It's Friend Friday, and I'm pleased to bring back Kelly Sullivan Walden for the second part of our look at our new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. Kelly and I made this book together. And Kelly is one of the world's leading experts on dreams and premonitions and just all that weird stuff that seems to happen. So we put 101 stories about all of these things, dreams, premonitions, and weird good stuff that happens in our new book. And this is the second book that Kelly and I have made together. The first one was our Dreams and Premonitions book in 2015. Now we have our new Dreams and the Unexplainable book. And Kelly also wrote a story for the book that came out right before this one, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Kind of America. She is the author of several best-selling books about dreams, and she is also the dear Abby of dreams. She answers inquiries from people all over the world. In her column in First for Women magazine, a new issue comes out every three weeks. And she's a nationally recognized expert on dreams. She has appeared multiple times on big national television shows like The Dr. Oz Show, The Real, Hallmark's Home and Family, and also on a really important radio show, Coast to Coast AM. So Kelly, my great friend, welcome back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. It's such a pleasure to be back with you, Amy. It's always a dream come true to get to have this moment with you. Thank you. I just wanted to say I love that you called it all the weird good stuff. I think that just sums it all up. That's what this book is full of. It's weird and crazy and great and wonderful and all good. So we just put it in one word, unexplainable. You know what? If we do a third book, we'll call it Chicken Soup for the Soul. (laughs) Weird good stuff that happens to people, really. That will be <laughs> and it. sometimes in their dreams. <laughs> That's right. So today we're going to talk about one of the many sub-themes of our new book. And we're going to talk about five stories from a chapter in the book called Amazing Coincidences and Synchronicity. Now, I really mm. think synchronicity is one of those Southern California words. I know <laughs> you love it. And our friend Julie Isaac, who introduced us to each other, she loves that word, synchronicities. Yeah. But it is really using my East Coast way of describing it. It's when weird good stuff happens to people, really. Oh. So do you want to start? Sure. Well, one of the, it kind of goes with weird good stuff, um, our story called A Close Encounter that is by Brian Norell. And this is a great one. It takes place in India. This is where a lot of mystical things happen. So he's on a tour. He's having an experience of the ashrams and he's studying at um, Meher Baba's ashram. And he's having these wonderful experiences. And finally, it all culminates when he's allowed to clean the tomb 
of Mayor Baba. He's he's actually um, at this sacred place, and some people are allowed to do this. They get up close, and they just kind of wash the outside of the tomb. And there was something really mystical that happened to him while he was there. He he felt like his hands were glowing, were um, something magical was happening. When he came back to the ashram, he told one of the women there, he said, if I never hold an Academy Award in my hand, it's it's okay because this was the best thing that my hands ever could have held, to be able, uh, being able to touch this tomb. So he felt like it was such a blessing. And the whole time he was in India, he finds himself humming the song, the, the Close Encounter theme. And he's thinking all the while that he's there, God, I just want to tell Steven Spielberg about this place. I want him to know about this. That would be so amazing. And he just, he had worked on a Lucas film years before. So he kind of was sort of connected to him, but he wasn't like anywhere near where he could just pitch an idea to him. But he had that idea, but he's off in India having this great experience. And since last night, he's at a hotel He's checking in and it's nighttime and the people at the hotel say, I'm so sorry. We are full tonight and there's no room for you to stay here. So after having such a lovely journey, he's dejected and he's feeling kind of bummed that he has to go out in the dark night and try to find a hotel. And as he approaches the exit, who walks in and he literally bumps into Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg was there with a group of other um, major filmmakers. And he says, what are you doing here? And they were scouting for one of the Indiana Jones films. And they end up talking, having a lovely dinner. Steven Spielberg asked the person at the hotel, could you bend the rules a little and give him a room? Of course, they give him a room. And he gets to share with him everything that he had been envisioning as he was there in India. He gets to tell him all about Meher Baba's tomb. And he has this incredible experience. And and um, maybe he didn't get to hold an Oscar in his hand, but he got to have a night with, with one of the most Hollywood elite directors. And it makes, he says at the end of the story that he wonders which tune he should hum next, because you know that will help him manifest whatever it is he's wanting to manifest next. So that was kind of a weird, good, woo-woo, magical story, I think. That was. And then the next one in the book is about somebody basically fantasizing about meeting somebody who he has absolutely no chance of meeting, mm-hmm. and then he does. So yes. let's talk about Amanda Lee's story, which is called Attraction in Action. Oh, I love this story, and I'm covered in goosebumps, and it's warm here in Southern California, so you know the woo-woo good stuff um, telltale sign is when you get covered in goosebumps. I love this story, and it's not just because I was personally involved in this story. It's because on its own, it is, it's amazing. So um, long story short, Amanda Lee, is um, she's a friend and client of mine. She comes in from Australia. Um, she doesn't come in very often, but she happens to take this trip to do some work with me and my husband and um, some filming and some some personal development kind of stuff. Anyway, she's, she decides to bring her kids with her because this is, this is going to be, she thinks they're old enough to really enjoy it. And her son, Andrew, his one session in life is P-Rod. 
And this is a skateboarder. He's His real name is Paul Rodriguez. For people who are older than teenagers, um, you might know his father, who is Paul Rodriguez Sr. He's a comedian. Anyway, P-Rod is this little boy, Andrew's obsession. He's a skateboarder, and he looks up to P-Rod. He thinks he's the greatest skateboarder ever and says, Mom, if we go to California, do you think I'll meet P-Rod? And Amanda has one of those parenting moments of, do I do I set him up for disappointment or do I I don't want to smash his dreams? But she because she's a law of attraction coach and she's got and she's been teaching her kids really well, kind of some of these principles. She says, well, you know, if you set an intention and let it go, you you never know something could happen. Put it out there. Let it go. So they have the trip. She's having a wonderful experience and I get to meet her and her kids and the night before we're about to do our work to to each other with each other, I get to meet Andrew and I say, Oh, what celebrity in Los Angeles do you want to meet? Thinking that he's gonna say Johnny Depp or and he says P Rod, and of course I don't know what the heck a P Rod is, but he describes him to me, tells me the whole story. And can do you think you can help me meet him? I said, Ah, uh, you know, I don't know every celebrity in Los Angeles, but I certainly don't know any any skateboarding celebrities. That's really not my demographic, but you never know. You never know. So I'll put it on my radar. Anyway, so Amanda and I do our work together. We're at our studio and we had made a very elaborate plan to have her kids be babysat and go to Disneyland, go to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, do all the fun kid stuff and not do any of the boring adult stuff. But the babysitter fell through and they had to be dropped off at the studio right towards the end of the day they were leaving the following day. So they're at the studio and I look at Andrew and I say out loud, Oh, you should have brought your skateboard. Cause there's all this cavernous space. This would be a fun place to ride a skateboard. My husband overhears and says, who likes to ride skateboards? And I say, Oh, Andrew over here likes to, he said, Oh, I think we've got a neighbor that likes to ride skateboards." When we first moved in here before we had our Wi-Fi set up, he had a we borrowed his internet without telling him, obviously, <laughs> that us, but it was, um, his password was something like, or the name of the, the Wi-Fi was um, Rodskate, and all of a sudden, Andrew's eyes grew as big as saucers, and he went running outside. He just bolted outside, like, and we all thought, where is he going? What is he doing? But Rodskate, that's weird. He runs outside. We all go out into the back, an area that I would never normally go into. It's where all the trash cans are. It's not a, it's not the, it's not a pretty entrance. So I hardly ever go out there. But we're back there, and all of a sudden, I see all these little skater boys out there. I'd never seen anything with a skateboard in the years that we had been at the studio. There's all, there's like five or six little little boys in their skater helmets and skateboards. And Andrew says to these boys, "Is P Rod coming?" And they all nod their head and they say, yes. And all of a sudden, Andrew notices this is the, he has seen so many P-Rod videos. This is, this is his studio. This is where he, this is his personal skate park. He had turned his studio into a skate park. And in real time, slow motion comes up, comes driving this beautiful white Jaguar in slow motion, tinted windows, driving up toward us. And we see that the license plate says something rod. And Andrew's like, that's T-Rod, that's T-Rod. Of course, the young man comes out of the car and it is P-Rod. And I say to him, 
this little boy has come all the way from Australia to meet you. He's your number one fan. Would you please shake his hand and maybe give him an autograph? And long story short, that we spent like probably an hour with with them. And he, P-Rod, Paul Rodriguez Jr. signed a hat, shirt, both of his shoes, his skateboard, everything. And this little boy, <laughs> Andrew, was it, it has not just made, it wasn't just a make his day kind of a thing. It has made his life. He's like a local celebrity in Australia. You know that he's got a magic touch, that he really knows how to work the law of attraction, that he is attraction in action. Out of 4 million people, he magnetized him. P-Rod came to him. That is really <laughs> amazing. Incredible. That really is. Now, the next story we're going to talk about by Will Zeilinger, our dinner partner, also is just the most amazing coincidence that blew my yeah. mind. So let's talk about this one because this one just seems so improbable, but it just proves that yeah. truth is definitely stranger than fiction. Yes. So, you know, if you have ever been on a cruise, you're assigned to people that sit at your dinner table and you always sit with them um, and you might not know them, but you become friends with them by the end of the cruise. And Will is on a cruise to Alaska with his wife, Janet, and they're having a lovely time and they meet this couple and they're all, they find out that they're all about the same age. And um, three of them are from Georgia, a couple from, they're from Tennessee. And they, you know, they find some kind of very basic superficial things that they have in common and it's all fine. And then on the last night, Will says something about the fact that his mother was from the Philippines and his older sister was born there. And he says in 1948, his parents and his old, his 11 month old sister sailed on um, an American president line to San Francisco. And interestingly, Hannah, the wife of the, the couple that they were sitting with blue blonde hair, blue eyed woman from Tennessee puts her fork down and says with a slight Southern accent, she says, um, I was also born in the Philippines. Her family was Czech um, and they, they had worked for, he had worked for a manufacturing company, but the, they had to leave abruptly during the war. And for, there's many different things that happened here, but basically Hannah, they, they established residence in the U.S., but Hannah had to come by herself on a boat, on a cruise line, all the way from the Philippines to the to the United States. She was only six years old in 1942. So she tells this story. And, and of course, Will is thinking, wow, I mean, there's so many people that came over from the Philippines during that time. There's no way my family would know her. But that's such an interesting coincidence. And he comes home from the cruise. And he's going through some papers. And he finds he discovers that, in fact, we're on the very same cruise ship, he finds the manifest of the ship. And he sees the names of his father and mother and 11 month old sister. And directly above their names is the name is Hannah's name. And it says that she was six years old and that she was Czech and he's just covered in chills. Can't believe it. It was on the same on the date, you know, it was just too much of a coincidence. And he, he sends her an email and he lets her know this. And soon after he receives in the mail, in the snail, snail mail, a newspaper clipping that shows that little six-year-old Hannah had become a local celebrity because this was such a big deal that she crossed the ocean by herself as a six-year-old. But then 
she tells she in a note on the menu from the cruise that they had together, she says, look at the back, look at the note. And it was a note written in Will's mother's handwriting. And this is what it said. My dearest darling Hannah, Jeanette, Carolyn, and I can never forget how well you have been during this trip. We love you so much and hope that you'll grow up to be a fine lady. Love and kisses always, Mrs. F.B. Zellinger and baby Jean. And they realized that he, he realized that he and his wife had in fact been seated at the, at the table with a woman who was with his parents over more than half a century before that. And since then they've become good friends, but it's just one of those crazy feel good. Oh my God, how this universe is way too magical for words. We never could have orchestrated that something bigger is happening in this universe. Don't you think, Amy? Oh, yeah. It was amazing that Will's mother took care of Hannah when she was alone on that cruise. She sat at their table. And then 50 years later, Will was seated with her at a table on a cruise. It was just amazing. It was the most amazing coincidence. You know, she did grow up to be a a beautiful, fine lady, which is just so sweet. Anyway, next story. Next story. Another Really amazing coincidence, Destined to Detour by Ferna Larry mm. Mills. And this is, a, again, one of those coincidences that you can't believe happened, right? So let's talk about this one. Oh, oh gosh, this one. Yeah, this is one of those give you chills, make you cry kind of a thing. So in this story, Ferna, she talks at first about her best friend. Then she grew up in Florida. Her best friend was Denise, and they were just the best of friends. Um, They went through puberty together, marriage, babies, divorces, had so much in common, just wonderful, wonderful friendship. And and they moved apart. Um, Her parents, Furnace's parents' divorce, they had to move to Texas, so there was a thousand miles between them. But they stayed close, they stayed connected, and they had vacation visits, and they just were dear friends. But one day, Ferna gets the news that uh, a drunk driver had hit um, Denise, and and she was killed. And there wasn't, I mean, she was beyond, beyond devastated at the loss of her lifelong friend. And stayed in touch with Denise's father, Joe, because they just, they had a a great connection and, and they were kind of a good solace for one another and giving each other updates on each other's lives and kind of sharing, you know, crying together and all of that. But as, as it happens over time, distance kind of separated them and they stopped talking. Anyway, years and years and years and years went by. And one day, um, Ferna, she had moved back to um, Florida and she's driving along the highway and out of nowhere, her car starts to sputter and she pulls over on the side of the road. And then this car starts to move again. And she knows she doesn't really need any gas. She's, she knows that, I mean, her car's fine. She just had a tune up. There's nothing wrong with the car, but it's sputtering. So she keeps kind of moving the car along, trying to, trying to keep going, but the car keeps sputtering. So finally she just kind of relents and gives in and she pulls over and she struggles to find the nearest gas station. And she pulls in to a random gas station off of a random road that she never, ever would have turned off of. 
and she pulls in and she asks, um, she tells the, the station, the person who's working there, what's going on with her car. And he's got her back, his back turned towards her, but he says, he says, let's give her a looky. And she says, a looky see. I only know one person that ever says that. That was Joe, her best friend's father. He turns around and sure enough, he said he was there just filling in for his brother randomly. He doesn't work at that gas station. He just happened to be there just for these few minutes while his brother was gone. So they have this wonderful conversation and they meet once again and they, they're able to reconnect and she realizes that um, this connection was just such a powerful one and she never would have reconnected with with her best friend's father had this strange, strange thing happened with her car sputtering off to the side of the road. Really amazing. That was. That was so great. I love the fact that she reconnected with Joe. All right. Now we're going to do one more story from our chapter about amazing coincidences. So now this is your personal story. So let's hear about this one. It's called Just Press Play. Oh my goodness, Amy. Oh, okay. So my 92 year old grandmother, grandma, we call her granny. Um, she passed away last year. It was right around Christmas time. And it was, I mean, she was the family matriarch. She was the one who held everyone together and she's the one that I baked cookies with every year. The only time I'm ever in the kitchen was around Christmas time with Greg. She would tell me, you know, what, what ingredients to put in what. And, and I just, you know, the, the loss of her was just monumental. And so my family did what most families do. when when there's a, a loss of a loved one, we just became a puppy pile for, an entire day, we just kind of showed up and just everyone stopped their lives. And we just cried and told stories and cuddled up. And out of nowhere, we get a phone call um, that the studio, the same studio that I talked about that Amanda had come to with the, with the P-Rod story, that same studio, we, we'd been renting it and we knew that the, that it was up for sale, but we didn't think it was going to sell. There's, there's, you know, so many studios. We thought it might take a year before it was going to sell. We get a call from the from the landlord, and he says, "It's it's selling. You have to get all of your stuff out right away. In the next within the next day or two, we had to get everything out immediately." And I thought, "Are you kidding? I'm going to have to move inside my grief and get into packing mode." And at the studio is so massive. There was so much stuff. I thought, "Oh my god!" All I was. I was just, I, I was like a petulant two-year-old, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I can't do it, I can't. But Dana said, you have to, have to help me. So I got there and I was just in the mindset of, let's just get rid of everything. Let's just tell people to put it all in the trash can. I don't want anything. I don't want to pack anything. Let's just call it a day and let's just get back to the puppy pile. And um, as we, and Dana was like, no, 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 there might be some important things here. We We can't just porch everything. So I remember as we're going through some stuff that years before I, when my grandma had a stroke, I told Dana to bring his camera and, and I wanted to do a little interview with my grandma just in case she passed away. And on this one day, she let us film her. She got all dressed up in her, 
in her lilac little jogging suit and her hair was just so, and, and she's normally self-conscious in front of the camera, but for whatever reason, she let me interview her and she told me all kinds of stories that I had never even heard before stories about her sneaking out of her bedroom window and how she met my grandpa and, and just like, she was an adventurous soul to say the least. She raised five children on her own back then during the war and with, with no help from cell phones, no money. I mean, she, she was a survivor and an amazing woman. Anyway, we got so many stories recorded that we had forgotten about. And my husband is an amazing, amazing creative being. And like a lot of California creative people, he's not necessarily the most organized creative person. So he just had an entire room full of random mini DV tapes that he had filmed over the last probably 20 years. So there were hundreds, maybe thousands of tapes in any which order, no filing system at all. Anyway, Dana comes screaming, yelling across the studio, Kelly, you'll never guess what I found. He said he had stuck his hand into a random pile of tapes and he pulled out two tapes and they were called Granny One and Granny Two. The only two tapes he actually looked at were the tapes of my of my grandma that had been filmed years before. And what was great about this was I was able to find somebody that had the old technology that could convert it to new technology so that a couple days later at my grandmother's memorial service, I was able to get a big screen and I was able to play this amazing interview of, of her telling her stories. And it was just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I was able to make copies of it and give it as Christmas presents to everyone. So it's like a way of being able to, to keep the memory of her, not just alive in our minds, but to be able to see her and hear her voice and, and, and see her mannerisms. It was just such a beautiful, beautiful gift. And that was a synchronicity. That sure was. Synchronicity. And a great excuse, <laughs> so for. great excuse for the teenagers in the family when they get caught sneaking out at night. Well, grandma did it. <laughs> it's so true. And we wouldn't be alive today if grandma hadn't snuck out her window. So, That's right. Yeah. Well, Kelly, this was really fun. This concludes part two of our our look at our brand new book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. For everybody out there, you can learn more about Kelly at kellysullivanwalden.com. You can find her on Facebook at Kelly Sullivan Walden Dr. Dream with doctor spelled out. You can follow her on Twitter or Instagram at Kelly S. Walden. Thanks for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today, everyone. I hope you'll visit our website, chickensoup.com. Check out this new book, which is on sale now everywhere that books are sold. Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, your local independent bookstore, Chapters Indigo Stores, Costco Canada, Walmart, Rite Aid, Target, Kroger, Amazon, wherever else books are sold. Come back Monday for more inspiration. I know Kelly will be listening. We're going to talk about hurricanes and dogs and cats and rescuers and the rescued because this is happening right now with thousands of pets being reunited with their families in Texas and Florida and all the other places affected by recent hurricanes. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. 
It is always such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me into the chicken soup for the soul family. It is such a blessing. Thank you.